Cube. Uh, my name is Jared Mayo, and I am the lackadaisical liberal cubicleist. So lackadaisical today, in fact. I feel like I have done this once before. I'm doing a laying down episode. Yeah, man. It's laying down. Recording an episode while prone. You might say. Oh, man. Okay. You know what's funny? Um, I didn't think I had a lot to talk about, but I'm just opening my various notes. And I'm seeing a fair amount of media consumption, which is nice. All right. Everything open and good to go. Item the first is a Vigi game. In fact, I have three. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it is a game called My Time at Portia. P-O-R-T-I-A. Portia? Portia. I don't know. It's a game, a video game developed by Chinese studio Panthea Games. Uh-huh. From 2021. Sure. I thought it was a little older. Oh, yeah. 2019 for Windows. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you are someone who likes to play a relaxing game, this is one of those. I'm trying to, I guess how I would say it, is trying to find... Uh, something to fill the void left by Stardew Valley is probably a good way to explain my experience of my time in Porsche. Um, just because, you know, goddamn that mobile update. I need it. I need the mobile 1.5 update on Stardew Valley. I've spoken of it before on this podcast. Um, I'm wondering if I'll be able to re uh continue on with my existing you know pretty uh advanced farm or off to start a new one with that update curious curious i've seen things online that hint that i should be able to continue on um so you know i'm hoping that's the case anyways we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about my time in portia mm-hmm yeah so uh you know it's very it's like 3d stardew in a lot of regards and that you know you you sort of inherit kind of sort of uh, a farm in this community and you gotta you know build it up um less in terms of actual farming compared to say um stardew uh, more in terms of building and construction uh, uh, uh so people in the town might want something built for them uh, you'll be building some sort of city infrastructure as well. Uh, that sort of thing will quite often open up new areas, which is nice. Uh, which I found the progression of that was, was okay. Just in terms of, you know, you're in this area, you're doing your thing. Oh wait, uh, let's build this thing and open up this new area. And then you're in that area and rinse and repeat sort of thing. Um, I didn't, I will say finish it. And <laughs> you know what? This is going to go on my list of uh, games where, you know, I have the plan in my head to go back to it. And yet the possibility exists that I never do. Uh, I, I feel like I have a lot of games on that list. Games where I had planned to eventually go back in and, you know, wrap things up a bit. Because I progressed pretty good. At least I think I did uh, in the story and stuff which was fine and yeah that's one of the things that didn't exactly pull me in and uh 
yeah, a little, a little too cutesy maybe for my particular, uh, 41 year old male demographic. Still, I had fun rating wise. Uh, I'd go like a solid three, which is, uh, of course, uh, enjoyed while playing, but probably wouldn't play again, which I'm starting to think more and more is what's going to happen. No offense. My time at board. Uh, they actually just had one, um, had a, uh, a sequel to this just came out not too long ago. So I don't know. Let me check it out. TBD moving on to rust. Oh, Rust. Uh, this has got to be my s minimum second, possibly third, or maybe even fourth time of talking of Rust, I feel like. It's just one of those games, speaking of game categories, sort of nebulous. Um, does it really make sense to have this a category category that I employ from time to time? Uh, this one of being... Games that I basically leave installed and will dust off every year or two. Rust falls into that. Came out in 2018, I'm seeing. Uh, the game in 2018 compared to the game in 2022 is a fair difference in terms of uh, the progress they have made. Particularly, I find it's very... Uh, uh, like it's fun just to like walk around and admire the beauty of the sort of scenic views and stuff. So if you're unfamiliar with rust, it's a, uh, survival game, um, online multiplayer, which, you know, famously or infamously or whatever you want to say, uh, I don't really get into very often online, online games in general. And even with this, while it is online and there will be others that you'll come across, you can kind of play this by yourself, which is mostly what I do 99% of the time. Like I have very few, if ever, interactions with other players other than occasionally being killed by them. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you got to watch out for in this game is like in any I don't know if this is a in apocalyptic future. There's There's not much in the way of story mm. it's sort of i guess you would say environmental storytelling and even that is a little bit of a stretch i'd say um yeah so uh, uh in those sort of i think post-apocalyptic type scenarios which a lot of the stuff you see in the feel of it sort of lends itself to that uh, genre i would say um you know, uh, what you most have to watch out for, of course, is not the, the zombies or the, the whatevers. It's the, your fellow humans. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's running around and shooting stuff as with a lot of video games, but there's also uh, a fairly in-depth base building system. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that's what I always tend to focus, focus on is just building like cool bases or trying to build cool bases. You know, uh, uh, there's ones that look cool. There's ones that are uh, safe from, uh, uh, attackers. Those, uh, two scenarios might not always meet necessarily. Um, I usually lean more towards, uh, looking cool than being safe from, uh, invaders. Plus you can choose what sort of server you go on. So you can go on ones where like anything's fair game. People can invade your base, blow the shit out of it. doesn't matter. Or you can go on ones where you're not supposed to do that. Um, I don't know if there's anything necessarily prevent the, like that's the one I played on one like that. 
I don't know if there's anything that would actually prevent you from doing it other than if you did and, you know, got caught, you'd be booted from the server sort of thing. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that would actually, you know, impede me from doing it and being a jerk. I don't know. I never tried because I'm not a jerk. Oh, look at that. Um, I also think the fact that I've been watching a fair amount of Rust uh, YouTube videos uh, one guy in particular called Will Jim, I think his name is, uh, they're just sort of like the game can be, uh, they're sort of very relaxing and sort of Zen and, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun. It's funny. It's relaxing and I like it. Uh, I could, yeah, I don't know if I could, I was debating turning this into one of the, uh, librarian long plays uh doing that in rust i don't know how easy that would be necessarily and unlike uh, with minecraft where i built a library i could try to build a quote-unquote library however there's not really books in the game so <laughs> it would make that a little difficult anyways rust uh yeah easy five out of five it's also one of those games where you can sort of tweak it to the way you want to play it which i appreciate so if you want to get in there, do some, you know, online shoot, shoot em up multiplayer sort of thing. You can do that. Uh, you, you could make it practically a solo base building game. Yeah. Sort of tweak it to your pleasure, which I like. Speaking of video games, <laughs> do I need a segue there? No, but I did anyways. <sighs> From 2022, Elden Ring. Uh, yes, I think I mentioned last episode that I wanted to uh, talk a little briefly about this. So uh, those aforementioned long plays. Uh, I have been recording one uh, for Elden Ring. I'm, you know, let me check. Uh, let's see how many episodes I'm in. I am five... Uh, more than five because I have, well, let's see. So I've got one a episode one a was just uh, character creation and the tutorial. So that was, uh, uh, just an hour long, <laughs> an hour long, long play. Uh, episode one B was uh, my first foray into the game and sort of that initial exploration and doing some quests and stuff. Well, that's the thing about this game. There's not, I suppose there is quests, but is there, if you don't have a quest log, if you don't have a journal of quests, hmm, I don't know. Uh, then episode 2A and 2B, 2A was six hours and 34 minutes, 2B was five hours and 37 minutes, and those I've done 2A and 2B because, I think I maybe mentioned this uh, on the podcast, that I recorded those and the audio of my talking my role playing through this game did not record. So like 12 hours of goddamn audio, uh, of me talking while playing a video game didn't record at all. Not, not a goddamn word. So that sucked. Needless to say, needless to say, but I hopped back on that horse for episode three and I wanted to beat my record for long plays. And I did at 10 hours and 22 minutes. Yeah, uh, I did that one when the missus was uh, up at the cottage. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a day. 
I'm going to freaking do this thing. It's going to be good. Episode four, five hours and 46 minutes. Episode five, a, um, it's not actually showing me how long it was, but five, a, I had a crash. So I just combined, uh, uh, it with five B, which is four hours. So that's probably like five hours altogether, five A and B. Uh, it's just because I could potentially edit them together, but that would take forever. Um, because these files are freaking huge for some reason. Like the 10 hour one is 59 gigs. That's too big. That's too big. Um, I suppose I could try for audience participation, but anyone listening to this, I don't know if you know a way to record in, you know, 1080p and not have the files be so large. Like I, I, I've recorded in less, uh, uh, you know, quality, let's say, uh, and then that number will go down. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it doesn't have to be that high. I use uh, XSplit to re-record my uh, you know, video game stuff. Uh, okay, so now to talk of the actual game. I thought it would lend itself well to a long play because uh, what I've decided to do is create this character called the Librarian. He's sort of an individual who travels from realm to realm aka game to game sort of figuring it out along the way of course but also just trying to have a fun relaxing laid back lackadaisical if you will time mm. um so uh you know in some games minecraft for example that was that was easy to do uh in skyrim you know uh, you can find relaxation there among you know the hectic uh hectic uh, magic battles and stuff uh for elden ring the only way to make a souls game relaxing is to cheat basically so uh i've been using Wii mod uh my my sort of default uh uh, uh mods i guess you would call them uh, that i have on our infinite magic because i'm pulling like a magic user which i tend to gravitate towards in uh, skyrim for example i was a conjuring for the vast majority of the game, a conjurer. Um, same in cataclysm dark days ahead. Uh, I was also doing a magic, uh, magic run there. Yeah. Whenever I can, if that's the option of, you know, swinging a giant heavy sword or, uh, uh, wielding magic, I'll always pick magic, you know, just sort of as the default, not always, just because like if I were to do a second playthrough of a game, maybe I would try something else. Like I've done, uh, I'm pretty sure my first playthrough of Skyrim was your classic stealthy archer build, which is interesting because I played that when it first came out way back when, before that was like a known meta, I think, or if it was a known meta, uh, it's not a meta that I knew. <laughs> Uh, so I just sort of stumbled into what is like supposed to be like one of the most powerful builds in the game, the, the stealth archer anyways. Um, so this, the, this character, uh, the librarian finding himself in this particular realm, I thought would be amusing just because of the juxtaposition of his sort of chill relaxed vibes mixed with this, uh, dark, uh, pustule ridden, 
uh, just freaky to behold at times. Uh, death is around every corner realm. Uh, it's been kind of, there, there's definitely been funny moments. I think, I think, um, I was actually going to record one yesterday and today, but, uh, I've just been like tired, not COVID tired, just tired, tired. And <laughs> at least I assume so. Um, well, uh, yesterday I was hungover, <laughs> so <laughs> that's slightly different than tired, I suppose. So I decided against it. And, uh, just on that note, despite the fun that I am having, um, I had more fun playing Skyrim. I had more fun playing Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. I had more fun playing Fallout 3. These are the long plays I've recorded so far. I think I had more fun playing Unpacking. <laughs> it, it's not that it's not fun, uh, and I'm not. It's uh, I, I'm in the point of the game now where you know I, I've beaten the main quest. I, I'm the Elden Lord, um, and I'm just doing one of my favorite things to do in a game like this, which is map exploration. And, and I am definitely having fun doing that. It's just it, it it hasn't quite pulled me in like I thought it may. Um, and maybe it's because a lot of, you know, famously souls game story, uh, it, it quite often the word impenetrable comes to mind and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a sentiment I think I can agree with. Uh, so, so maybe that's why I haven't been pulled in. Also, there's just like some of the ridiculous choices they make in terms of no quest log. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, like things you have in Skyrim, like, uh, uh, I can look at a, a, a spot on my map on Skyrim and see if I've been there and cleared the area. I can't do that on Elden Ring. Nope. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, it's like some of the, and I, I don't mean actual gameplay. Well, I guess I kind of mean gameplay, but like, uh, uh, game story things, uh, what am I trying to say? Maybe I should sit up. Find myself getting tired. So sleepy. <sighs> what if I just like fell asleep and just like recorded that? That'd be pretty interesting, right? Probably not. Uh, yeah, so it's a game that doesn't lend itself to, or it doesn't make itself easy to play, uh, at all times. Uh, a simple thing, like if you're talking to someone, it doesn't show their name. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, it sounds dumb, but I'm bad with names. So when I'm trying to RP me talking to someone and I don't know the person's name, uh, I don't know. Dumb things like that. It's just like simple little tweaks that have been around for, you know, dozens of years in video games that this game decided, no, we're not going to do it that way. Uh, sometimes can get a little annoying. Uh, and for that reason, I'm still in, but uh, I'm not going to give this game a five out of five. Uh, I'll go like four and change with some cool five out of five moments and with some annoying two out of five moments. Yeah, it, it runs the gamut a little bit. And that is Elden Ring. 
Um, oh yeah, my builds, just in case you're curious. Uh, so we started Astrologer, although I don't know how much that uh, plays into things necessarily, apparently. Um, doing high intelligence and uh, have just gotten up my um, faith and arcana as well. So uh, those three stats are, are dice and high. <clears throat> I'm debating now that I've got those stats all high um, is starting to put points on the strength. Currently my strength is like 10 or something really low. And then maybe trying to swing around some giant weapons, which uh kind of cool to be super powerful magic and then have a, a giant, you know, 10 foot high sword or whatever. Potentially, potentially. All right, moving on to movies. Oh yeah, we got a few. All right. First one from 2022, RRR. Hmm. Oh, which is a weird name for a movie. Just three R's? Interesting. All right, so this falls into the category of movies that I heard a bunch of people talking about on podcasts, and then it sounded interesting, so I watched it. Yeah, uh, that's a long-standing category that we've had on the podcast for many years. Um, I am glad I did because it is a crazy movie and very, very good, which is a combination that I thoroughly enjoy. Crazy and good. I'll settle for just one, but when you get both, who baby. Uh, it was three hours and seven minutes long. Yeah, it was a little on the long side. <laughs> a fictitious story about two legendary revolutionaries mm -hmm, on their journey away from home before they started fighting for their country in the 1920s. This takes place in India. In fact, it is a movie that is an Indian movie with subtitles, no less. Uh, is it Hindi that they're speaking? I don't actually know. Um... Yeah, uh, just insane. It's not the craziest in terms of fights I've uh, seen in the movie, even though you're going to see some really cool stuff on this. Um, but it is, uh, uh, you know, crazy over-the-top action from one moment to the next to the degree where you kind of never know what's going to happen, mixed with occasional dance numbers. You know, what's interesting about that. Uh, I literally had this thought while I was watching it, y you know, like I'm a, a, an old white dude. So my knowledge of, uh, uh, Indian movies and the realization that they quite often have, uh, uh dance numbers or seemingly 90% of the time. I don't know. I, I think the percent is very high that, uh, uh, Indian movies, Bollywood movies, uh, have dance numbers in them. It's like most, right? I think that's a safe thing to say. Um, and I always thought that was, you know, interesting. <laughs> if a little odd for my Western sensibilities, uh, not something that I uh, necessarily sought out. However, after watching this, uh, uh, they so seamlessly worked them into the story that it was almost like it made sense. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this might actually happen. Uh, whereas before I was, uh, I was sort of under the assumption, like just like a normal movie. And then it's almost like a, like a cut, uh, uh, let's have the stance number and then another cut where it, it just sort of gets jammed in there and it doesn't really make sense, but they sort of 
through story-ish reasons had them make sense, I felt like. So I, I don't know if that's the default, um, but you know, it, it was at least noticed by me that it felt a little, a little more seamless, let's say. I just want to look at this, uh, the guy who was the bad guy, Ray Stevenson. Okay, he's in Thor. Three Musketeers. Hmm. Yeah, he looks a little familiar. Uh, yeah, he was a good bad guy. A real, uh, you know, sort of British uh, colonist type. He's in Das Boot, the TV series, which apparently Das Boot is a TV series. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Star Wars. Oh, yeah, he's been around a lot. Black Sails. He played Blackbeard. Did I watch that? G.I. Joe Retaliation. Babylon, Babylon Friends. Uh-huh. At Home with the Brainweights. Braithweights. Yeah, my favorite. Been working since 1993. Well, good for you. What was your name? Ray Stevenson. Uh, the movie stars N.T. Ramareo Jr. and Ram Charan. Ram Charan. Um, I think these are like big, big names over uh, in India as well. In the sort of Indian Bollywood's uh, 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 movie scene, I think they're uh, they're they're very uh, you know in it. Big, uh, bigger names. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, uh, rating wise, do I go five out of five? I'm going to go four and here's why, uh, a little too long. Um, yeah, I feel like three hours. I, I, I don't necessarily think you can, uh, it's impossible to have a three hour movie and have it not be too long. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, this tread it, uh, tread that fine line finally in that it went by quick for the most part. Now, if it was three hours and seven minutes long and it felt like it was an hour and a half, you know, then I don't take a, a mark off for being too long, but, uh, this did not quite treat that reach that, uh, mark. I would say, uh, that being said, yeah, solid, solid four out of five moving on to also from 2022, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh, in this action packed comedy, Nicholas cage plays Nick cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a super fan and a CIA agent. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Nicholas cage as himself. Although of course a, uh, as always in these sorts of things, an amped up version of himself, at least. So we hope <laughs> because he's a bit of a weirdo. Uh, yeah, he was incredible in this. I have always been a Nick Cage fan, uh, unapologetically. Um, uh, strangely, one of my, uh, at least I think strangely, one of my favorite Nick Cage movies is, uh, the weatherman. If, if you've never seen that, check out his, uh, his uh, performance in that. Um, and I don't know why, but this sort of, there's, there's times where in this movie I was reminded of that. Uh, I kind of don't know why I kind of don't know why. Um, 
this is uh, also uh, well you know what let's just roll it in together uh i also watched a movie called the man from toronto also from 2022 that stars of course kevin hart and woody harrelson now i bring this up uh because not dissimilar to the unbearable weight of massive talent both movies involve uh, hilarious misunderstandings in which uh, uh, people who should not be find themselves uh, you know working as spies kind of sort of kind of sort of um in uh, uh, nick cage definitely yeah a, a spy sort of going undercover to try to uh, stop a coup i think mm, yeah that's kind of how it felt uh, a government's coup or something yeah political stuff in a foreign country of course yes uh in the man from toronto it's not spies so much as uh torturers professional torturers uh where kevin hart through a hilarious misunderstanding finds himself uh, having to pretend to be um a professional torturer uh of which woody harrison actually is uh-huh a real good cop bad cop vibe i guess you could say so uh, uh while watching that yesterday the man from toronto uh, i sort of found myself comparing it in some regards to the unbearable weight of massive talent now both movies i will say i loved them yeah uh both are pretty crazy which as i've already mentioned puts it up on my list a little bit um Rating wise, unbearable weights, I'd go four with some fun five moments. Man from Toronto, uh, four with some three moments. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it quite as much. I think it's, uh, I like Kevin Hart. It's not that I don't like Kevin Hart, it's just the saturation of Kevin Hart movies and him playing. Mm, the same character does he play the same character in every movie kind of a little bit mm, yeah and, and it's a fun character it's a character and joy it's just the sameness uh yeah you know uh, human beings uh, very interesting in that we quite often like things not changing but then can also get bored of having the same thing all the time it's a real uh, interesting dichotomy hmm uh, which is probably would explain why uh, just sort of as a species, as a whole, we're fucking nuts, man. Ugh. Um, if you're a Nick Cage fan, you've already seen that movie, but, uh, I think if you're not a Nick Cage fan, you could watch this and maybe it would sway you a little bit towards being one. Huh? Not impossible. Not impossible. Uh, all right, moving on to from 2011. Okay, going back a bit. Hick, hmm. uh, a Nebraska teen gets more than she bargained for. Wait, I guess it up. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm awake. I'm with it. Here we go. Much the same. <laughs> I was going to say much better, but no. Oh yeah. Let me check my levels. Check, check one, two. 
Perfect. <clears throat> a Nebraska teen gets more than she bargained for when she sets out for the bright lights of Lost Vegas. Lost Vegas, I said. Uh-huh. This is, of course, starring Chloe Grace Moretz, who is a actress who I've always said is a uh, speaking of categories, putting a lot of things in categories today, uh, falls into the category of, uh, you know, young actrix, actresses who I saw in a movie way back when and said, you know what? She's so good. There's no way she's not going to be around for a long time working. And, uh, uh, further evidence of that here. She's, she, she's definitely great in anything. I, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything where I thought, man, she is good. We've got some Blake Lively. Uh, we've got some creepy Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, he, he was, uh, he was good in this, uh, good in that he was scary. Anson Mount, uh-huh. Pretty, pretty interesting. It actually took me a second to recognize him. For some reason, I didn't recognize him in this. Maybe it wasn't the giant, uh, oh shoot. What do they call that hair when you're here? Pompadour? Yeah, I guess that's a pompadour. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's just sort of a. I don't know. How would you describe this? It's got some driving Miss Daisy va- uh, vibes a little bit, you know, two women, uh, traveling. Yeah. Uh, meeting up with the horrible men that exist in this world. Yep. Going to get some of that and, uh, 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 interesting turns and twists and, uh, rating wise, I'd go, yeah, like a solid three, uh, three and change. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you might as well Hick from 2011. Moving on from 2020, Gretel and Hansel, which feels wrong saying it that way, doesn't it? It's funny. Uh, this is obviously a choice of the misses mm-hmm, horror movie, uh, which, you know, I, I thought looked interesting. So, you know, when she said, can we watch it? I said, yes, she would have watched it by herself. If I said no, whatever, uh, a long time ago in a distant fairy tale countryside, a young girl leads her little brother into a dark wood and desperate search for food and work only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. Ooh. Okay. Okay. A nexus of terrifying evil is a sentence I enjoy or a phrase I enjoy rather. Uh, yes. Saying Gretel and Hansel instead of Hansel and Gretel feels weird. Uh, and, oh yeah. And, and the missus and I, when we were talking about watching this at least a couple of times, I think we both slipped up and said Hansel and Gretel, uh, starring, uh, Sophia Lillis. Uh, oh, Alice Cridge, who you may know as the Borg queen. Where was she? The Borg queen in, uh, first contact. Yeah. So that's the OG Borg queen. Um, which, you know, what was uh, amazing about, oh no, I don't think she noticed. Yeah. The missus, um, thought she recognized her, the, uh, the witch, mm-hmm. Alice Cridge, 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 um, before I did. And then she looked it up and, uh, uh sort of said, Oh my God, <laughs> that's who it is. So basically the missus is a big freaking nerd. Yeah. I didn't recognize her, but she does have, I guess some makeup on one thing I didn't get <laughs> just while we're talking on that subject. Um, the witch, I, I guess they never really say her name. Hmm. Uh, played by Alice Cridge. Uh, she had some witch like features, but most notably her fingers were all like black and kind of pointy, which 
you know, yeah, sure. You're a witch. You're going to have weird fingers. That makes sense. But it's never explained why they're that color. And, and not only that, but, uh, Gretel sort of seeing them never says what's with the fingers or, or Hansel even that, that would made sense. You know, a, a, a young boy curious about the world asking questions, not always appropriate and questions would no doubt see these sort of freaky fingers and, uh, uh, say, Hey, what's the deal with those fingers? But no, that never happened. And I was disappointed because I wanted to know what, uh, what the deal was. Uh, the other thing I notice of this movie is whoever's in charge of lighting, my God, you deserve a raise. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just like it's they, it, sometimes it felt like they filmed scenes just for the purposes of having cool lighting. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I was, uh, re repeatedly, I found myself just looking at sort of the lighting choices or, or like, like, like a scene would have like a blue tinge or, uh, and, and just like the shadows and the, it, I, I feel like I've never watched a movie where it felt like they paid so much attention to lighting. Um, to the degree where it was just, it made the, it made it creepy at times. Yes. But it also made it beautiful at times. Um, so, you know, yay lighting person for Gretel and Hansel. Let's see who it is. Will I be able to find out? Will it say here? <sighs> cast all cast crew. So if I go to all cast crew and if I control F and type in lights, Oh, lighting compass, com composting artists, uh, Johannes Engelhart, Johannes senior lighting artist, Max Niermar. Thanks. Oh, Maxi. Oh, that's a, that's a cool handle you got there too. Senior lighting artist. Yeah. Maxi Niermar. Thank you for that stuff. Hmm. Uh, moving on to from 2017 permanent. Uh, permanent is a comedy about bad hair, adolescence, and socially awkward family members. It involves life altering permanence and poorly made toupees. Obstacles to daily survival ensue. Interesting. Uh, wait, is that the main girl? Is that her? I guess I was just used to seeing her with a perm. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, starring Alexis Leggett. Is, is that, is that the main girl? Shoot. It, it's gotta be right. Just top. Like this is an order of top or is it Kira McLean? Oh no, no. Yeah. I was looking at the wrong person. Okay. So starring Kira McLean, McLean, McLean. Uh, oh yeah, she's been working since 2014. Yeah, yeah, her orally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. Uh, it took me a second to remember the name. Uh, she was very good. Uh, will she, you know what? She might fall into that category of act young actresses who was, uh, was so good that, you know what? I'm going to throw her in the category. So good that, uh, she's going to be around for a while is my prediction. So also, uh, starring Patricia Arquette and Rain Wilson as, uh, Aurelie's parents, Aurelie's weird parents, weird. And I felt like 
like not weird over the top somehow, like weird, weird, grounded, weird, believable, weird that you could picture people like this actually existing and not just, you know, insane tinfoil hat wearing weird. Uh, so, you know, I feel like some good choices from the actors and the writers, uh, to make them, you know, believable. Uh, this is just sort of a, you know, a heartwarming, yeah, coming of age, uh, that sort of vibe, uh, school and why it's quite often sucks. I had, a, I had a, you know, high school was not bad for me. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I had friends. I, uh, I didn't so much do a lot in the way of schoolwork necessarily. My grades other than in English were pretty bad. Well, they were okay. Except for, uh, math, which I would say, uh, math, it was, you know, straight D's and they always felt like, uh, let's just pass him. He's pretty close to being okay. I guess D's, uh, I don't want to have to deal with him next year. D's that, that sort of thing. Give him the D they would say, which is a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> so permanent, uh, you know, for those reasons, great Sunday flick, great Sunday laying in bed flick. Uh, I'm going to go with solid four. Yeah. We, uh, watch it with the missus. Enjoyed it. Moving on to, I guess this will be the final thing. How are we doing time-wise here? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, from this year, I guess, a television program. Oh, season four of a television program. <laughs> Broken into two parts for some reason. I don't know why. Stranger Things season four. Yes. Yes. So friggin' good, man. Uh, I've been talking about stranger things, you know, uh, on this podcast since, you know, the first season, whenever that came out. Um, and, uh, have always enjoyed it to one degree or another. Uh, I do seem to recall that last season I wasn't a huge, huge fan of, uh, it still had enjoyment for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I probably gave it a, a three or a four. Whereas this season definite, I feel like easy four with some for sure. Five out of five moments. Yeah. Uh, easy to say now. I wonder if I, I feel like they did themselves a bit of a disservice, uh, in that having episode eight and nine. So the two final episodes come out. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh May 27th was when episodes one to seven came out. And then July 1st is when, uh, eight and nine came out. So, I feel like the strength of the first seven episodes and how just incredible they were in, you know, just incredible television period. Um, they sort of did themselves the disservice of having everyone's hopes incredibly high for these last two episodes. And then while they were great, maybe they weren't seen as great because of that weight in between and the hype buildup. Is that possible? I know I've, uh, it's come up before where you go into a movie with high hopes and that's <laughs> sort of a sure way to not have your hopes, 
uh, not have your expectations met. Whereas if you go in with low expectations or no expectations, even, uh, then you're much more likely to have those expectations exceeded. Uh, so maybe there was some of that. And it, it's just what I'm trying to say is the last two episodes, while great, I feel like we're not as strong as the first seven. And I wonder if that's, you know, the, that's definitely a, uh, Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Let me think of a word. No one listens to this podcast, so I can sort of take my time and think of the word that I'm thinking of. I'm still very tired. It's, it's seven o'clock in the morning. Didn't sleep very well. Hmm. Subjective. <laughs> oh, that almost felt like I like I closed my eyes for a second and woke up like in a friggin' cartoon with the word I was looking for. Now, this is of course subjective that I'm saying the first seven episodes are better than the last two, but how subjective is it? If there were ways in which it could be measured, I guess one way you could measure it for a thing like this is a poll of, you know, poll a thousand people and get them to rate on a scale of one to 10, the first seven episodes and the last, then you probably have a good, you know, you'd have some, you'd have some good data there. I feel like, and I feel like that uh, people's marks would be higher for the first seven. I don't know that, that that's the limb I'm willing to go out on. Um, now does that come from the fact that it actually is, or is it what I'm talking about in terms of, uh, expectations? I don't know. Um, should I even talk about the story? Oh, when, uh, the sort of famous, um, lonely. Okay. I won't really get into the story at all. You can watch it for yourself and I recommend you do. Um, I like the addition of Vecna in terms of keeping with D and D type stuff. Oh, I wonder, God damn, if Vecna is the big bad in this, who's going to be like the super big bad in the final season? Yeah. Jesus. Um, they did mind flare. It, wait, is the mind flare? I'm having trouble, having trouble uh, remembering. Is the Mind Flayer that big thing though? Which is kind of weird because they're not actually big in D and D. Could it be like a god? Who, who's who's a big evil god? <laughs> uh, how about Frizzburler? There's a god. Okay, wait. Let's do big evil D and D gods. Top 10 most evil gods. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So we're going to guess. We're going to look at this list of these top five, and then we're going to guess. Asmodeus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad guess. Ball. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a, uh, Bane the Black Lord. Don't really know him. Syric Prince of Lies. Yeah. Vecna the Archlich. Okay. Well, it's not going to be Vecna <laughs> because, well, it just was. Um, Ball, Lord of Murder, uh, quasi neutral evil, domain of death, 
Yeah, Osmonius is feeling Supreme Master of the Nine Hells. Greater deal, the Knowledge Order Trickery. Have we seen three inverted triangles arranged in a long triangle? What does that even mean? <laughs> That's a symbol. Uh, yeah, presiding over the Nine Hells, Osmodius. Yeah, uh, and he just came up too, didn't he? And, uh, Critical role? Was it Asmodeus? Anyways, that's my prediction for the big bad uh, a D and D related name that they give whatever in the final season is going to be Asmodeus. Cool beans. Okay, so I wanted to say that, and also uh, the whole song "Saving Your Life." The, the you know the, the the famous Kate Bush song. Uh, now famous, <laughs> I mean, had a degree of fame before, and that degree has gone up exponentially. Good for Kate Bush, though, as well. Uh, sort of a happy story there. Anyways, the idea of, you know, your favorite song to pick to save you from uh, Beckna, what would it be? And I have real trouble with that. I, like, I, I never like asking people their, what's your favorite this? Uh, I, like, uh, I don't mind phrasing it like, what is one of your favorite songs, but not what is your favorite song? What are some of your favorite songs is a good, is a way I like to ask questions like that because I don't like them asked of me. Like someone says, what's your favorite song? I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what's your favorite, anything, your favorite TV show, favorite book, favorite, whatever, uh, you know. Uh, I, I can give you a list, but to pick one, it's going to change from moment to moment. So that's not fair with song, the one that did pop to mind and one that, uh, that, that sometimes I have thought of as a, my favorite song currently, currently. And, and that's the other way you gotta, you gotta throw currently in there because it'll, it'll change is, uh, uh, Kate McCucci's, uh, you got a bike, which I recommend uh, you go listen to. And if you can listen to it and not feel a little better after, well, you're a monster. You're a monster. All right, folks. Uh, I guess that is that for now. Uh, an episode and there's no goddamn denying it. Um, oh, okay. Let's say it's nice to be nice to the nice. That was nice.